Welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined by Aaron, Jakob and Mihai to discuss the topic of challenges facing engineering managers. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here and Nordic's Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. Mihai, would you like to kick us off? Sure, I can do that. So, uh, my name is Mihai Marinescu. I am a senior software engineering manager with um, Maersk. I've been uh, in within software development practice for 20 years and I guess about 17 years as a manager doing projects from software, hardware, mobile devices, Windows devices, servers, Linux, pretty much everything. Uh, today I'm running a team of 15 people in Maersk where we are doing software for the vessels. Fantastic. Thank you, Mihai, and it's a pleasure to have you here with us today. Aaron, over to you next. Uh, yeah, sure. So I'm uh, working in Danske Bank uh, as a chapter lead, uh, where I have uh, eight uh, chapter members in my my chapter uh, who are distributed in different teams, and they are also located in different locations. So I have a very diverse uh, team to manage, and uh, I'm part of the of the tribe where we are uh, building and maintaining um, solutions for corporate customers specifically. Uh, apart from that, uh, I have been uh, working as a software engineer uh, for more than 15 years, out of which I have been uh, seven years uh, leading uh, teams. And I have been part of end-to-end uh, designing development in the different domains, uh, healthcare, uh, fintechs, um, and agriculture also. And um, also myself, a full-stack developer, I consider to some, some level. Um, so, so yeah, that's me. Fantastic. And, and likewise... Really great to have you here on this today, Aaron. Last but not least, Jakob, over to you. Yeah, hello again. Uh, so my name is Jakob. I'm a senior engineering manager uh, at the Lego Group, where I lead uh, two different uh, backend engineering teams, roughly about 15 people altogether. And uh, uh, before, uh, I worked in various roles, focusing on digital innovation in the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, I, as the others, I also worked for a while uh, as a software engineer or solution architect, tech lead, or various sort of technical roles with some um, pinch of leadership involved. And then I naturally moved uh, to, to uh, uh, you could say, a formal people leader position later on. And yeah, I'm uh, passionate about technologies and innovation, but uh, yeah, somewhere deep down, I guess, I always knew that I want to move to uh, management and that's the right path for myself. And um born and raised in Czech Republic, but I've uh, worked most of, or basically vast majority of my professional life in, in Denmark. Excellent. Great to have you with, with us today, Jakob. Now, now we've established a context around each of you, let's move to the topic in focus. 
you all have a couple of questions or statements around the challenges facing engineering managers and there are plenty of challenges uh, you guys do such an incredible job and as usual we'll work our way around the room and pose the questions and the, the reasons behind of it to each of you so you have the opportunity to be able to give your take on the situation me i i believe we're starting with one of your questions you're looking to to get an answer uh, or some perspectives on how to develop software in a rapidly changing world where all the details are not exactly known up front. Could you give us a bit of context before we hand to Jakob and Aaron? Yes, I mean, it's uh, one of the main challenges in software development in general, right? Like, how do you develop uh, something where you don't know all the details up front? How do you actually communicate that to the management as well, that you don't know all the details up front? How do you make sure that the uh, they are in line with, you know, the sort of the plans you make and that you will learn gradually as you go. That's some of the challenges that I, I've seen over the past 20 years. I guess it all comes down how mature management you have in the different companies you are in, how well they understand this and, and uh, that they know that this is a difficult uh, practice uh, to do. Um, so I think that's some of some, I mean, I have some ideas. Uh, I can sort of share how I'm doing it, but uh, I'd love to hear from Jakob and, and Erum, how you're doing it, you know, it's that's sort of the whole idea with this podcast, right? Also to learn from others, but also share what I can do as well. Exactly that. Exactly that. Thank you. Yeah, Jakob, I think we're going to come into you first with this one. Sure. So um, it's a broad question, but uh, I gave it a little bit of a thought. And of course, I'm facing the same same question, right? Same situation. So just, just uh, quickly before I get deep dive into my ideas. Uh, I like the part where Mihai specified how to communicate this to fur further up uh, upstream in the management, because I think I had the right recipe for that. I can just get gold nuggets for it, right? Because that's a very, <laughs> sometimes a tough one uh, to nail. But in general, I think uh, how to handle, you know, the um, unknown upfront in the rapidly changing world of software development. I, I would say that uh, you will never be 100% ready. So if you sort of acknowledge that fact, then that's a good start. And then the next step is all the prerequisites or your preparation um, that can help you, um, you know, withstand basically this this challenge. And I think um, I can group it into three different topics: organizational setup. Um, good product management and well-established uh, ways of working uh, in the team. With organizational setup, I would say that um, I will a little bit, not quote, but a little bit refer to the Team Topologies book, uh, which I think is a really a good source of inspiration in the organizational setup. Um, you need to minimize dependencies between the teams because handovers have never really worked anywhere. Uh, so, <laughs> so basically you need to, your uh, team topology uh, to be um, to be built in a way that that teams don't have to talk to each other too much, and if so, then in a very predefined ways of communication to make sure that there is no sort of this back and forth talk and and uh, lengthy discussions over and over. And also, the the book basically the team topology says that uh, the way you design your organization, it will also project in your solution architecture in the solutions that you're building and I can agree uh, to a big extent to that um, I've seen this before in in many different organizations that I was uh, working in so 
the good product management, that's a pretty generic statement, but I think uh, uh, a good a good starter there is to have uh, to have um, the option to try the product yourself and to also have a product manager uh, in, in each team, right? To have somebody who is just solely focused on making the product uh, valuable for the end user, right? Somebody who uh, defines the vision. So um, referring to our positions, engineering manager uh, is not the person that should be solely responsible for that in my view. So there should be a product manager, somebody who's really dedicated to the value creation uh, of the product and trying the product yourself, preferably everyone on the team, right? In some cases, it might not be possible, I guess, to to the mask context. You know, you cannot uh, exactly do that with the vessels, uh, uh, but but in many perhaps other different areas, you can do it yourself as well. And uh, the third one was the established ways of working. The better you have some established ways of working, the 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 more you're ready to intake some unknowns, right? So um, people need to have some um, uh, some kind of process how to continue the learning process how to how to deliver the deliverables that are expected from them to do whether it's scrum kanban or whatever i don't think there is the right um sort of system that fits everyone but you need to have it really established uh, and uh, it should be basically a very natural part of uh, every team member to know how they are supposed to work together definitions of done definitions of ready, some coding guidelines could be even down to details like having an editor config file that really formats how you write code uh, and all this so so that you support consistency also for um, getting new people on the team so that they can really get up to speed fast and all this can help you again coming back to the main question survive in the rapidly changing world where all the details are not known up front. I'm just reading the question now <laughs> again. So I guess that's the three areas where I would uh, focus on uh, most of the time. Fantastic. Aaron, maybe to see Yeah. Um, really nice to hear, Jakob. I think you have covered uh, almost everything really nicely. But I would also like to share my some of my experience. Yes, we are living in a ever-changing world uh, almost every instant. And uh, in this uh, uh, time, it is really hard to to catch up all the changes. But I think what I have seen and what I have observed uh, to have a clear vision, as you mentioned, uh, my uh, to the upper management in organization, it is really really important to be aligned with the upper management uh, on a bigger perspective. Uh, if the vision is clearly communicated to the team, then I think things become much, much more easy to to accept it by the team, by why we are doing it, what is, what's the purpose of that particular uh, uh, change. And then with the team topology, um, I have seen we organization have spent a lot of time on, on uh, organizing, uh, organizing teams. But it doesn't last longer, right? Because uh, um, our requirements get changed, right? For example, if one team is responsible for one particular initiative and with the time it doesn't make more sense relevant to the customer or the or the company vision, it has to change, right? So it's also really important to have a process in place where team get uh, team actually become more adaptable uh, with the changes. Because the, uh, as already Jakob has mentioned, uh, there is no one solution for all the problems. But yes, uh, 
moving with the change is really, really uh, important. Yeah, some great answers there to your question. Have you got anything to add? You had said you had your own ideas as well. I think, um, um, thank you, uh, Irum and Jakob. I, I, I fully agree with the, with your um, comments there. I uh, specifically like your Jakob uh, regarding dependencies. That's one of the key things, especially when you're working together, many teams together. That's one way to to solve it. Uh, if if you can achieve it, it's a hard one, but it, you know, if you can achieve it, you you'll get a great benefit, right? I think in general, I would say uh, the struggle is. I mean, I'm very much focused on delivering what the customer or the user, depending on what business you are in, right? The user of your product. It could be an internal user. It could be an external user, right? You know, I'm. That's my keen interest here in every in every product I'm part of is how do I deliver or how do I make the team deliver what the user uh, is requiring, right? And that uh, gradually changes during the product uh, development, right? You would not know those details. You guys also probably know that, right? Um, that will just uh, that will surface when you talk with the customers, you uh, you interview them, you actually walk into their shoes, you go and visit them, you show them what you've done, they comment on it, and you go back to the team, you change the product so it actually fulfills their requirements, right? And that is the the hard part, right? The taking that requirement in and then uh, changing the plans and then sort of a new new timeline, right? And the, I think for me, the success is show progress sooner than later on your product, communicate as quickly as you can to your stakeholders. Like if there's changes to the product, if you're saying, you know, we were supposed to be done in May, but now uh, we know it's August because of this, you know, I think it's better to communicate. It's it's much more, it's easier to to understand and to accept the change if it's communicated uh, as early as possible. That's just the the way I do things, and it 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 works most of the time. I think uh, the problem can be, you know, if if management may not understand exactly why we cannot keep a deadline, and then uh, and then you have to ditch maybe requirements which are very important for the users, right? But then uh, the answer can be, you know, deliver again very uh, in, in a very iterative process. So you can actually deliver the requirements maybe a week, two, three, a month after. Uh, that will still satisfy both management and also the users. And then you will also get feedback because you release the products into the customer's hands. So that's sort of the way I usually do this. Fantastic. Thank you for that, Mihai. Great question. Three great answers for that one. Moving on to the next one, Jakob's question is posed, how do or how to mix seniority on your software engineering team? What are you looking for in a kind of an answer? What's the context behind this one, Jakob? Uh, the context is that, well, basically the, the tempting idea might be when you're recruiting or building your team, like, I just want the best people, right? So to put it into like football analogy, I want all the Cristiano Ronaldo's or Messi's on my team, right? But would a team of 11 Messi's win the games? I'm not a football expert, but probably not, I'm guessing, right? So so the this is the similar situation, right? You probably don't want somebody who would regard him or himself or herself as principal engineer and multiply that person up to the headcounts that, that you have available uh, for the team. So, so my question is, what is actually an appropriate mix of seniority uh, on a team like who should be how many perhaps seniors you should have what does it depend on and how do you approach the the structure 
the structuring of your team. So Eric, maybe. Yeah, yeah I can uh, yeah share. Uh, I personally also have experienced uh, such situations and uh, first uh, priority, for example, is this team, which let's say a newly created or have a new initiative. Uh, what kind of requirements we have for that particular uh, task uh, and just look around if someone really have the experience, then I think one senior person must must uh, fit into that role. But also from the human perspective and human psychology, it's never a good idea to have all messy in one team. Because we are human, we tend to feel the competition uh, with our peers. It's really, really natural. And there probably maybe you guys have, have experience where we have all the tough uh, developers in the same team. They might have uh, conflicts and different opinions on the perfect solutions. So with Synerity, uh, I personally experienced and also tested it uh, having paired up with a junior person because in that way, a senior gets chance to, to express uh, himself and uh, share his uh, capabilities. And the junior person is actually on the other side, is very uh, fragile and absorbing all the knowledge. So the knowledge flow works really well. Um, but not putting all the senior people in the same team might be a very tough challenge unless until they have some good connection or uh, yeah, before, you know, getting the team. And it might be uh, by chance that they build up a good uh, good relationship with each other. Um, yeah. I don't know what Mahi, you, um, do you have uh, any experience in this? I think um, usually I will take what candidates I get, the best ones. But it is a very important fact here, right? I mean, you cannot just have uh, all very, very high-skilled uh, engineers at the same time. It, it's not a good balance, I would say. I think it's better to sort of have half-half, you would say, in my opinion, you know, so you sort of have these... Because there's always task for both, right? Um, you might not want the, the highly-skilled engineers to do some very simple tasks. They might not feel motivated doing that kind of task. So I think it's great to have uh, different kind of engineers with different uh, experience in the team. And um, and in that way, actually, you will have tasks for both, right? And you have a way to learn the younger ones and, and get them up uh, the rank uh, with time. So so I think it's a, it depends, I guess, on the on the project. But I think half-half. Uh, uh, it's probably not a not a bad thing to have. Jakob, we're coming full circle back to yourself. Uh, have you got anything to add? Yeah, pretty much agree with everything that has been said, right? Uh, but uh, letting people um, get themselves up the rank over time, and uh, also with with what Mihai mentioned about some simpler uh, tasks might not be challenging enough for some of the more senior people. Just to add to that, I think. Uh, one of the first things that uh, you need to look at is basically what Aaron mentioned. You know, you need to look at the product that you're working with, that you're building. Is it if it's like basically something on very tight slice, uh, right? Uh, service level agreements. Uh, then you probably might want some more experienced people that can uh, sustain the the, the pressure uh, and might be able to figure out uh, the the failures uh, faster. But whether your the nature of your product is, let's say, more exploratory, more like kind of something where people can experiment, can uh, look at the issue from different perspectives. Then I would say even some less um, 
senior people, uh, as senior engineers, might be a good idea to to put on such such project or such product because they don't have the bias from all the experience that they're carrying with them right over time. So they might just come in with a fresh uh, mindset and just come up with some uh, absolutely fantastic uh, solution, right? And uh, over time, we get very opinionated based on what we have seen before, and that might be a limiting factor in in exploratory work. Um, and yeah, I think pretty much we covered everything. Uh, maybe just uh, also, I, I agree a lot with, with mentorship because when you get a little bit perhaps bored uh, with, with uh, the technical tasks over time, uh, when, when you get more senior, you want to also perhaps move uh, to leadership, right? And the best way to start with um, improving your leadership skills is with mentoring uh, your your um, other teammates. Uh, so that's a first natural step uh, upwards in, in management. Fantastic. And I believe the next question we've got is almost on the flip side uh, here from Merriman. And, and she's looking to, to find out how to set up a learning environment for new or junior developers within a team. And I'm going to come to you again, Erin, for some context before passing it around. Um, yeah. So have uh, been in a situation where I have some really, really well-experienced and senior uh, people, uh, but they were so expert and, and busy in their world that they quite often become like an introvert and very focused and forget to share knowledge. Uh, and that was a challenge uh, for the new, for the new joiners or the juniors, that how they, they can contribute and uh, step in into the into the process. So uh, I experiment for some time, uh, shadow learning, uh, where I bear up people, a senior one with a very, very relatively junior person in the same team, in the same team. Um, and I have uh, roughly create a sketch board uh, in Miro, in whiteboard, um, which is uh, actually overlap with the coming sprints task. And the senior person is actually uh, assigned to help the junior person to design a learning uh, for that particular sp sprint. And uh, after two sprints, because it's a shadow learning concept, so after two sprints, uh, the junior person actually take over the board and he will showcase uh, his learnings, his uh, uh, deliveries, development to the, just to the senior person. Uh, I experiment this for a short uh, yeah, few months, but it actually really, really worked. Uh, both of uh, the junior developers had had uh, grown up exponentially and they were so good in absorbing knowledge. So, mm, yeah, but it was something I just experimented. Um, but looking, yeah, looking uh, to hear, yeah, from you guys, if you have uh, ex experimented such thing or have come across such experience. Mihai, I think we're coming to you first for this one. I, I don't have um, like any system in place and the teams that I've been part of. I think what worked for me is that um, I guess I have in the teams that I had, I was we had skilled developers, which also had the the need to also learn others, uh, junior developers. You know, so it was a natural talent such as inside them. So you know, when you ask them like, can you take over this uh, junior developer, get him some some simple task and get him on board, right? They could sort of help him and then get him started. And with time, you know, I could just step back. I could see the team, the the senior uh, engineers actually handing out tasks to the juniors and explaining to them why they think it was important task, what they would gain from that task and how today would grow uh, with, with those tasks they would get, right? Um, 
so that's one thing, right? That's the engineers itself. But usually I'm also involved with the juniors, right? So it's, it's, it's part of the talks that I usually have with them. Like, how do they want to grow? Which way do they want to go? Um, do they want to get better in the specific skills? Uh, if that's the case, we will work out the plan uh, together with them, how they can achieve those uh, goals and then uh, get somebody to help them. That could be a buddy from the team in a specific area, if that's that's what it requires. That's the way sort of that I've worked, right? So it's uh, the engineers themselves that helps the juniors to, um, to, to, yeah, to sort of help them on the way. And then uh, I also do the same on the other side from the management side. Fantastic. Thank you, Mihai. Jakob, over to you. Yeah, it uh, naturally links to the previous question, right? So I guess uh, um, with, with the mentorship, <laughs> I, I've shared the view on like finding the right mentors or buddies within the team that's that's i would say even proven concept or as as a starter uh, the easiest one that you can do um maybe like a sub question to that is like who to put together right uh, if if sometimes i like uh, to put in together people who that are quite different in all sorts of ways, not just like work-wise, but in p perhaps the personality or so interests-wise are very different. So just try to see how that goes, right? How, and sometimes I guess it works really well that that sparks interest, you know, the difference. Um, I think that it's also important to uh, find and or generally have the right tasks on your team, right? That sometimes uh, when you have tasks that are very difficult for juniors to do alone. Uh, they might feel like they are being sort of handheld all the time, right? That they always need somebody to really do the thing with them. So the situation gets easier if you have something that they can do independently and just then send it in and, and for a pull request review, right? And somebody just gives them a review uh, um, how to make it better perhaps, right? And um, while thinking about this this question, I actually would like to come back to Irem, if possible, because uh, you mentioned your experiment, right, that you did for a couple of months. So I would be quite interested if, like, when you said it was just an experiment, then I would like to know whether you're still doing it, and if not, then why not? And second part to that, um, based on your description, while not making any assumptions here, like didn't it feel perhaps a little bit too formal or too too much of a controlled way to do this uh, or not? That was yeah. just something that popped by my, in my mind when I heard yeah. the setup. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, to the first question, um, because it was not needed anymore. The the the, the junior developers become uh, much more confident as compared to before, where he started. Uh, stepping up and, and picking up uh, stuff himself. So it was not needed anymore. And to the question where um, uh, you mentioned it is very much tied, uh, actually the whole concept of this is to be very, very much focused. Uh, focused in a sense where the learning contributes to the current and coming sprint goals, because otherwise the learning is a very general concept, right? And even mentoring, even we, whenever we get into a mentorship uh, a session, it has to be very, very targeted and, and action-oriented. Otherwise, uh, it just ended up, you know, in the air. So no one get anything. So that was the whole reason behind where I particularly, and yes, I 
I have to say, I have forced this. Like, pick something from your backlog, particularly, which you would like to learn. And uh, where you feel you are lacking lacking knowledge today, but you would like to learn in order to pick that task. So there they pick something from the backlog and then uh, just uh, get some, uh, some suggestions, some feedback from the senior person. There it, it was a few articles, a few, yeah, maybe few tutorials. Uh, and then they just uh, pick it up from there rather than just diving, jumping into a big sea of, you know, learning um, so that's why it was like more on a very, very much focus and, and goal oriented. And I think might be that's the reason it's no more needed after three months. Yeah. Fantastic. Mia, you've got your hand raised there to, I think, one of the points that Jakob made. Uh, yes. And, and in general, I guess for this question here is, you know, the most, the, the oldest uh, way to also spark the, the, the learning for, for new people is to do pair programming. It's not something that everybody likes especially not senior developers, not all of them like it. But I think uh, the ones that like it, I mean, in general, the pair programming is not from the one that's skilled. It's actually for the one that is not skilled that it helps, right? So that is actually one way to sort of uh, uh, use a learning environment, right? Another way is which we've had the previous very much success with is going back to Jakob is using uh, the pull request and the reviews. You know, uh, in uh, previous teams, uh, I managed, uh, we, we did this uh, pull request review where the we had two reviewers on them, on each pull request. And then at some point, after a few months, after the, the juniors uh, actually joined the company, we would sort of require them to also uh, be part of the review process and learning what others are doing and how they are coding, you know, learning about the application, whatever that might be, you know, learning can be different things, right? It can be coding, it could be about the application, it could be the domain knowledge. But that's one way also to it sort of get the juniors into learning or something new in the team. Excellent. Thank you. Aaron, I just wanted to give you the opportunity to kind of bounce off anything Jakob or Mihai said before moving on to the next question. Uh, yeah, all good. Fantastic. Well, thank you for that question uh, and for the great example at the start. Hopefully the listeners can learn a lot from that and the, the answers today. Mihai, we've come full circle now to one of your other questions. Uh, you're posing how to evaluate employee performance when you are not involved in the day-to-day -day work. Sounds pretty self-explanatory, but I'm going to come to you for some context either way. Yes, that is a that is a tough one. Uh, maybe it's not the maybe it's just me, my team. I can't imagine that is the case. But in general, as a senior engineering manager, you don't get to go into the details anymore, right? You sort of uh, steer a bit away, which is a, which we should do. That's uh, the the reason. Uh, I mean, that's a, a way to be a good manager for a team, right? I don't micromanage the team in any sort. I'm not, I'm not participating in all meetings they have. I sometimes go into a daily scrum. I sometimes go into a sprint retrospective. I uh, often go into a sprint review, right? But the, the my team is uh, is distributed, right? Uh, and you don't sit with them. It's different when the team sits with you and you hear the talks around the corners, what issues they have, what problems they have, what they struggle with. It also, you sort of um, uh, decoupled from the team in, in so many ways, uh, especially if you have also other projects that you're working on. So this is a, it's a bit, uh, it's, it's a tough one, I would say, how to evaluate. I would say uh, the way I do it is I try to participate as much as I can uh, when I can in these meetings to sort of see the rising stars in the team. Um, 
I talk with them, of course, uh, often. I get, I ask for feedback for my employees on on their uh, colleagues as well. So if there is feedback, I'd like to get it. So I sort of gather all this input um, and use that uh, for the um, to evaluate the employees. But I'd like to know how you guys are doing it. Hopefully, there is some tricks and things you're doing that I can also learn from. Love that, Jakob. Over to you. Yeah, I agree that with this one, uh, as you said, Mihai, this is a really tough one. Um, in my view, uh, it's a tough one because you, you, you basically you're in constant doubt about how transparent and accurate you are while doing it, right? Because you doubt yourself that you're doing it the right way, the accurate way, the fair way, uh, right? Um, since uh, you have the perhaps depends on on the type of engineering manager you are but you might be distant from from the work so then your doubts basically arise with how distant you are from from the daily work but uh, i'm i'm not personally involved in the in the daily work or i'm not let's say picking up uh, sprint uh, backlog uh, items as like uh, active uh, individual contributor or anything but i think the the right way is what Mihai already mentioned is uh, surround uh, yourself with uh, people who are close to the work and get feedback. Could be inside outside of the team, uh, stakeholders, anyone basically that can give you an honest, uh, open, and constructive feedback on the people that uh, you need to uh, evaluate. And specifically in software engineering. Uh, Again, depends on the organization setup you're in, but I would say that uh, the tech lead uh, is your right hand in that sense because he's somewhere basically in the in the middle between you and and other engineers, right? So he's quite a lot involved in the daily work, but he also uh, is sort of a leader, right? He he can help you evaluate. He can. He can raise some outliers if, if there are any. So so be close to the right people, both in terms of feedback, but but specifically I would focus on the tech lead uh, um, in question. And uh, yeah, just to chip in on the where do I personally like uh, where which events or which um, yeah which team events I attend. I I'm, I would say that I also don't attend the daily system high really unless I'm told to do so by the team when they need me. Uh, but I most of the time attend uh, the retrospectives uh, whenever I can, basically, I'm at the retrospectives because that one I find quite important to to hear out what's not going so well or like what are the learning points. But at the same time, I agree with some other people saying that it might be a little bit intimidating for the team to open up enough, right? So if you do that, you need to be sure that you're not the intimidating factor uh, uh, in the retrospective. Um, so, and that's difficult to, to assess, uh, I guess. What about you, Arum? Yeah. Um, it's same the case with me, like, uh, because I have chapter members uh, distributed in the different squads and, um, I'm not part of every squad, and it is it is uh, challenging uh, to to know not how they are doing, but also what kind of challenges they are facing. Uh, so for this purpose, uh, we have uh, yeah connect uh, with the product owners uh, once in a while to get the overall temperature uh, of the squad. Um, 
But on the other side, actually last year was very much experimenting. I was experimenting different stuff. So for the same purpose where I feel like I'm not uh, uh, interacting closely uh, with the, some of the uh, some of the chapter members. So I again set up something uh, kind of a boat in my room uh, with a concept of look back and, and move ahead. And there I just create a, a sample template where I just let them to to highlight some of the things which they are doing recently and what they have planned uh, for the next, let's say, coming sprint or, or week. So it's just for them to become more self-aware and kind of like self-managing. Um, yeah, so the whole idea I, I had is that they can present their themselves um, to anyone. It's not like maybe I, I maybe they get a new manager tomorrow, right? But we have this performance review annually, right? And things may get lost between uh, transitions. Um, and yeah, and from this, uh, uh, it actually helps some of the the, uh, the the people who I feel more introvert and shy, they become more confident and uh, kind of like uh, self-appreciating also the work uh, they are doing. Um, so, yeah, but but yes, of course, it, at the same uh, uh, point, I, I also don't like to be micromanaged, but let them, everyone to feel um, and take the ownership of uh, what they are doing and express them uh, openly. Um, yeah. Thank you, Mihai. Back to, back to yourself. Have you got anything to add to to those points no i think it's um it's um it's it's great i mean it it sounds like we are in line uh it's also just to dip my toes in and see if uh we are i'm doing something totally different um but it sounds like we are sort of doing the same things here um i think um yeah i don't i think the feedback uh that uh, usually i get from the 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 engineers itself is probably the, the best one i would say but it, it, it needs to go over their comfort zone sometime, you know. It's on one-on-one. -on -one. You need to ask them, like, what do you think of your colleagues? Uh, any good feedback you have? All bad feedback for that thing could be, right? That's where sort of I get the feedback. But I also encourage all my employees to give feedback to each other openly, right? In the open forum, like uh, kudos when they've done something good or whatever that might be, right? That's also something that I make note of, uh, and especially if I'm in the meetings together with them right but you know especially when it's distributed teams things happen also in the in in chat channels and in different means so you know you can i sort of gather all of this and 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 condense it into sort of a, an, an evaluation for each employee and i think i think it works pretty well uh, to say so excellent thank you for another great question there mihai uh, the next question is a bit of a combination between arams and, and jacobs they both uh messaged uh, the group before the podcast today um wanting to talk about managing distributed teams and with Aram's um question it was managing distributed and diverse teams now um i'll come to to both of you uh, to give some context around what you meant and then and we'll each give an answer uh, i think it would be great so Aram, i'll start with yourself um bit of context around uh, that question for you yeah um uh, for diverse and distributed yes uh, um I have team members uh, who are working from different locations and they came from different backgrounds, uh, right? Uh, not on the gender basis, but also there is a huge impact of cultural 
uh, in everyone's personality, um, which somehow kind of like affect the way we are interacting with uh, with each other. So it is it 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 is a challenge, but at the same time, it is also uh, how to give a psychological safe environment where everyone can uh, openly express themselves and do the best uh, to the team and to the work uh, we are doing. So, so yeah, um, so I wanted to hear some of the uh, views from you guys. Sure. Uh, Jakob, before we do that, what, what was the context behind you asking about the distributed teams? Yeah, I don't recall if I uh, phrased it in a way that it was both words, how to effectively manage distributed and diverse or just distributed team. But I, I would say that uh, in, in the sort of phrasing we have it here, it's it's two huge different subtopics, right? How to manage a distributed team, like the distribution itself, people on different locations, and also then the diversity part of it, because uh, that's that's a that's a big deal uh, itself. And you know, since COVID, which was a true game changer in all this, distributed teams are more and more kind of a common thing, and. It comes with uh, quite a lot of pros and cons and and, uh, and uh, differences in, in the ways of working that I highlighted before are important in the ever-changing uh, requirements world. So that's that's basically the context and the importance of the question. Appreciate that. Mihai, we'll come to you first and then um, whoever wants to go out of Jakob and there, please follow on. Thank you. Well, as uh, Jakob just said, you know, it's two different things here, distributed and diverse team. I have both, I'd like to say. Uh, in my career, I've had uh, plenty of time having a lot of uh, diverse team and also distributed as well. And, uh, you know, there are different challenges for both of them, right? Um, in regards to distributed, you know, um, I guess my, my, my best uh, sort of, um, let's say, suggestion is that to visit your teams once in a while. That's a, that helps a lot, you know, to meet your distributed teams in person, um, uh, do things together with them, you know, uh, um, casual things when you are meeting them that will strengthen the team itself. Um, that's one of the things for distributed teams, uh, which helps a lot. For the diverse, you know, it's like for me, it's just uh, talk with them understand which one, uh, where they come from, right? And then try to use the people uh, at their best, right? You know, uh, and, and also educate, if you have uh, scrum masters, whatever you have in the team, educate them to uh, take note of this uh, cultural changes, or whatever that might be, the diversity might be, right? Make sure that we actually are, we are include them in, in, in the meetings and whatever they are with there. We keep on hearing their voice. And if we don't, you know, hold them apart and then ask them afterwards, you know, there are different techniques to actually feel or make them feel included in the team, right? Because uh, especially when you have uh, a lot of extroverts in the team, they will sort of uh, be the first ones talking and they will just keep on talking for the whole meeting and the quiet ones won't say anything, right? And there might be some very uh, important points they might uh, have, which is not put on the table, right? So it's important to ask them upfront, and even if they're not seeing anything, you know, get to talk with them afterwards, and then uh, get their, you know, whatever idea or, or comments they have. I guess I guess that's that's uh, that's uh, my take on it. Excellent. Who would like to go next with this one? Nara. Um. 
Yeah, um, as uh, Mahi said, um, there are some, you know, uh, introvert also uh, in the team and quite often um, overshadowed by the extroverts and it, it become a challenge. And it is also re- actually a challenge to to even um, point out the extrovert to give space to introverts. So it is a challenge on, on both sides, to be honest. Um, and yeah, it required some coaching also on a, on a one-on-one level uh, with the individual uh, individual and let them to to uh, help them to explore and um, and show up uh, in all the discussions. Yeah, it it take time uh, for some a lot of time, but um, it is worth. And uh, on uh, one side, uh, uh, next week actually, uh, uh, I'm uh, doing. Um, um, disc profile personality test just for the fun also for the team to get to know each other uh, just on a on a separate side because uh, every every side of different personality is really really important uh, in order to have a good and a strong team um yeah and i'm looking forward to, to running that uh, with the team uh, how it goes and how everyone get to know each other much better and yes Jakub, uh what about you yeah, I I think I like one observation. Uh, you you guys said it all pretty much regarding diversity, but but one thing that comes to my mind is really like uh, in my case, I think it works extremely well while me not doing much. And the conclusion is either I'm lucky, or it just sort of confirms good recruitment for me, right? So if uh, if you don't have in my view, if you don't have to do much on working well with diversity in the team, then you probably hired the right mixture of people and personalities that they can actually work together pretty well. And also they're uh, tolerant and open-minded uh, and all this. So then it can actually naturally work uh, work pretty well together. If you encounter some some uh, uh, huge issues in the in this area, then you have probably overlooked something while building the team, right? So it's a good good indicator on your recruitment I guess and and then we're very much on the really nice side uh, of things so I'm pretty happy that that we're um, doing really well and uh, yeah I, I I really really think that that it's based on 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 the good staffing and uh, distribution wise uh, I think that one is um quite challenging on a more on a uh, ongoing basis because if you have let's say only a few people like a minority of the team you know sitting somewhere uh, in on the other side of the globe it might be really tough on some uh, common workshops to make them uh, feel that they are part of the whole thing right so that they are not just some people online but they're actually part of the the whole um, um, whole day of all activities and everything, and I think it's always the, uh, a huge challenge for for the facilitator of of such team meetings to make sure that the ones online have chance to speak up uh, because it's not the same, right? When you're in the in the same room physically, right? And I don't have any uh, great recipe for that apart from. Making sure that as a facilitator, whether it's uh, you or somebody from the team, that that you make sure that uh, you think about that twice before before uh, uh, team meetings like this. That how do I make sure that these people feel involved? How do I make sure that they can, you know, speak up in the same way as as the ones physically co-located? 
um, and all that. Also, yeah, again, one-to-one Swiss knife to it all. Just talk to them, right? Uh, what will make you feel uh, more inclusive next time and, and all that. Do a little bit of a retro. So, and that one is, is, is quite, uh, quite challenging how to do it technically, but also in terms of uh, ways, ways of working. And if you have the chance to get the people together, all together, even the ones sitting, let's say, abroad from your location, I think you should uh, 100% utilize that option because it really helps with the bonding and then consequently, uh, you know, with with the online uh, hybrid meetings. So, and yeah, and I got something to add. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to echo uh, what Jakob just said. I think... Uh, I don't think you're lucky, uh, Jakob. I think uh, I think you are doing great on the recruitment. I think that is a key thing that you mentioned there, right? I mean, if you're doing well on the recruitment, you will have less issues of these, right? Uh, so that that is uh, that is very crucial. So and and I, that's also something that I, yeah, I think it's just something we might do without even thinking, right? When you hire somebody, you look how would they fit into the team, right? Uh, would they fit? Uh, would they uh, fit well? within the team in sense, I'm either introvert, extrovert, how would they participate in the team? I mean, you, you sort of go through those thoughts when you hire them, right? And and I think uh, I, you must be doing well since uh, you don't have any issues of those. Love that. Okay, I think we'll leave it there for today. Uh, we've had some fantastic questions, um, some fantastic answers and insights as well. Uh, and if the, the, the listeners want to see another iteration, there's plenty more challenges that I'm sure Jakob, Aram and Mihai would, would love to cover as well. Uh, really do want to take this opportunity to thank each of them, Aram, Jakob and Mihai for providing their insights into this topic. And of course, thank you for listening.